Before the beginning got too far down the road, it all fell apart. Paradise lost. Humanity ruined. The divine image bearers formed from dust, the ones who held the very breath of God in their lungs, lost their way, forgot their worth, and broke the heart of the Creator who loved them with all his heart. Through the centuries, God beckoned them all to return. But on they wandered, into the parched deserts of power and prestige, into the bleak winters of self-absorption, casting themselves into waters that could not quench their thirst, forgetting they are loved by love incarnate. Priests and prophets, kings and judges, God sent them all, but none could save his beloved. Humanity had fallen into the depth of sin, into long nights with no hope of morning. But he is the light of the world, and in his perfect way, in the fullness of time, love suddenly gleamed across the night like stardust. Our Savior arrived in a dynasty with no earthly kingdom, a lineage born to suffer, a royal heritage created for death. For God so loved this world, these people, he came down from his throne to ransom them. He purchased humanity from its captive, offering himself as the sacrifice. And suddenly, all the earth and the souls who looked for him felt their worth. On this Sunday of Advent, we reflect on the greatest love story ever told, the story of God's immense love for us, demonstrated through the birth of his Son, Jesus Christ. Today, we light the candle of Advent. This flame represents the incredible love that God pours into our lives and calls us to share with others. Just as this light brightens the room, may the love of Christ illumine our hearts and guide our actions. We know that God's love is not limited to the faithful. It reaches out to us in our unfaithfulness and calls us to experience his forgiveness and grace. Through Christ, we find forgiveness, restoration, and a love that never gives up. Love is at the core of the Christmas story. It's the reason why God sent his son, Jesus, into the world. The Apostle John beautifully captures this truth in 1 John when he writes, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. The birth of Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's love. In the midst of our brokenness, God reached out to us, sending his son as a beacon of love and redemption. In Jesus, we see the perfect expression of love. His life, teachings, and ultimate sacrifice on the cross demonstrates the depths of God's love for us. Through Jesus, we are invited into a relationship with God, and it's through Jesus that we experience the depth of God's love, the love that knows no bounds and extends to us all, the faithful, the unfaithful, the whole, and the brokenhearted. As we journey through Advent, let's remember that love is so much more than a feeling. We are vessels of God's love, reaching out to the lost, the broken, and the hurting just as his love reached out to us. Holy God, thank you for the gift of love displayed through Jesus. Fill us with your love so that we may overflow with it to others. Help us embrace your command to love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
is. We, this is Tom's last Sunday with us. So officially, he's, he's there with us, but he's going to be packing this next week. But Tom and Valerie are going to be moving to Rochester, New York. Um, they're going to be doing ministry there. And it's Valerie's hometown, and they get to uh, you get to move in. Come over here. I don't bite too much. And we can have the elders come up. Uh, Mike, will you grab that microphone right there? But as is our, our, our tradition, we want to be able to bless those that have been part of our family and, and pray over them as we send them out because we really believe that part of that connection is when you're part of the family, you're always connected, and we want to send them out as missionaries. And so when the Lord calls people to move to different areas, we want to be able to pray over them and bless them and, and send them out with the Lord's blessing as an extension of the church and all the things that are going on. So I'm going to ask Tony, who's our chairman of the elder board, to be able to pray over Tom and Valerie even now. If you would, I'm going to ask that you do something special. That you would stand and just recognize that you're praying with us as we're praying over them as one family. Tony? Father, thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you especially for Tom and Valerie. Lord, I thank you for their heart to reach out and to come to us, to worship with us, to show us how to worship. Father, I lift them up to you as they go on their next adventure. Father, may you bless them richly. May you show them new things from your creation on their trip, Father. And may their next several years in this new location be blessed. Father, I thank you so much for them. I thank you for their heart. I thank you for bringing them here. May Jesus watch over. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Tom. Tom will be here tonight, though. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward for this morning's tithes and offerings as we pray. Father, we thank you for all of the provision that you've given to us, life and that much more, and your son. This day, Christmas Eve, we celebrate the greatest gift that has ever been given. And that is eternal life through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came into this world as a baby, born of man, to be able to walk and experience all that life has. And tempted like us in every way, yes, without sin, so that he might be the perfect sacrifice to give us life. That through trusting in in his death, burial, and resurrection, that we could have that gift of life. God, we recognize that gift and all the gifts you've given to us. We want to give back to you the first fruits of that which you've given to us, these offerings. May you use them for your kingdom's glory. May they be used to extend the gospel throughout all the world, through our missionaries and the ministries that are happening here. Lord, may you continue to use this church, this little church on a hill, to be part of your kingdom. And may we see many, many people come to know you as Savior and receive that gift of life. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. As we've been moving through this Advent series, we come to the question today, how does the weary world find love? We wouldn't know love unless love came to us. The fact of the matter is that the capacity even to love starts with God. The ability to to know that we can have that love really does come from God, our creator, who's given us not only the capacity, but the expression of love through his son, Jesus. But there's a lot of people in this world. If you were to ask them, do you know that you're loved? They would say no. They struggle and and everyone, everyone wants to know that they're loved. And doing some, some prep for this morning, I wanted to Find out a little bit more just what people think about love and, and how love impacts people. In an article that I was reading, it said this, Children that don't feel love have an underdeveloped emotional intelligence. Think about that. Children that don't feel love have an underdeveloped emotional intelligence. Adults that don't feel love have an impaired sense of self Lack of trust, difficulty navigating boundaries, selecting toxic friends or partners, dominated by a fear of failure, feeling isolated, extremely sensitive, and often suffer from mental conditions. Question. Do we see that in our world today? Absolutely. You can go into any school and you can see how the lack of feeling love has impacted our children. And you can go into any environment and you can see how the lack of feeling loved has impacted adults. 
where people are suffering at so many different levels, from mental illnesses to, to selecting toxic friends, all of these different things, to do this. And, and we all have this need to feel loved within this. And we have to ask ourselves, why is it that we struggle so much if God so loved the world, and if God gave His love through His Son, and if God is, has taken the initiative to demonstrate love, then why do so many people not feel loved? Well, within this, it, it, it is a struggle because they don't necessarily recognize God. One of the most important messages that we find in Scripture in God's communication of love is that there are no insignificant people. No insignificant people. Augustine once said this, God loves everyone as if they were the only one. Now let that sink in for a minute. God loves you as if you were the only one, the only human being that ever existed. God loves you. And you say, well, I can't buy that. Well, we're going to learn a little bit more about that this morning in 1 John. That if you were the only person that needed to be redeemed from sin, God still would have sent His Son, Jesus, just for you. And how do we know that? Because God invites you to join Him in His eternity through His Son. Within this, God is love. And God's love is a public affair. God demonstrates His love to everyone. He causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust the same. He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust just the same. He allows the right percentage of oxygen to exist in this world for the just and the unjust the same. That's God's love. God's love is for mankind and He's not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. God's love is available. And you say, well, how do I know that, that God loves me? One writer said this, that that love is kind of like sunshine. It's kind of like a sunrise. You'd have to be blind to miss it. But even if you were blind, the blind man can still feel the warmth of the sun once it rises. It's still present within that. God's love is a divine gift. And it's something that can never be found in anything. Why do so many people starve for love? Because they're looking for love, definitely like the old song, in all the wrong places. They're looking for love in, in, in these temporal items, in these temporal situations, and temporal people, and all of these things. And there is a love that is beyond our comprehension or understanding that only comes from one source, and that's from God through Jesus. It's also been said that God's love is so vast that you'd sooner drain the ocean of all of the water by using an eyedrop before you, you come to an end of God's love. We will spend all eternity, as we're studying on, on Wednesday morning with the men, we're going to spend all eternity about the depth and the width and the breadth and the height of God's love for us. We will spend all eternity and never, ever come to an end of it. Can you, just think about that. What we have right now is just a taste. So this Christmas Eve, we want to take a look at this attribute of God, love. We've studied peace, we've studied hope, we've studied joy. We're going to take a look at love this morning. If you would stand as we read our passage this morning. It's in 1 John chapter 4, 7-12. through 12. 
says this. And I love how John writes. He opens it up right up. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And by this, the love of God was manifest in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. God, we surrender our hearts to You, even now. Not only just to know Your love, but that Your love would be known in us and through us and flow through us. God, we surrender our lives to You that we might be conduits, not containers of Your love, conduits of Your love that would flow out to the world. But first, we've got to plug into the source. May we do that even this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the first thing we see in verses 7 and 8 is that love flows from God. You cannot create love. It is impossible for a human being to create love. You can create like. You can create infatuation. You can, you can you know, be in, in attraction or all of these other things or good feelings and all of this. But you cannot create love, not true love. Love only flows from God. It is only from Him that, that we come to that place. And so, as John writes, he writes first, Beloved. In other words, ones that, that are already loved. The fact that you're already loved by God, it, it's not something that has to be proven. It, it's a done deal within this. And so John addresses these hearers with this word of encouragement. Beloved, let us love one another. Now, how many of you guys have people in your lives that you really just don't like? There's a few. And, and, and i got to tell you and be honest with you, there are some people that I come across that I struggle with. And it's really hard to love them. In, in, in some of the wickedness that they do, I can tell you this, my first reaction to my flesh is that's a complete waste of skin. But yet, God calls me to love them. I'm like, really, God? And, and there are others that are just difficult to love. Have you ever tried to hug a porcupine? <laughs> Don't do it. It's probably not the best thing that you could ever try to do. But some people are like porcupines. You come in close and the tail comes around and whacks you, and then you're, then you're shot with a full head of quail, or quills that are there within this. We've got to understand that... Love flows through us, but we've got to be plugged into the source to love the right way. How do you love the right way? Well, you've got to transcend from human love into divine love. We've got to understand that it comes from God within this. And so John is exhorting the believers that are there to get plugged into the right kind of love. And he says this in John thirteen thirty four. He says, as Jesus would say, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, he doesn't say a new suggestion I give to you, does he? Here's a new suggestion. If they're worthy of your love, then love one another. Is that what he says? No. The text says it's a commandment. 
a commandment, a new commandment that I give to you within this. And it's not new in time because it was part of the Decalogue and it was part of the whole concept of the early teaching within the church. But he says it's a new in type. A new commandment, a new, a, a new in type, the new way, the new source. I want you to love them as I have loved you. Question, how did Jesus love? Sacrificially. He laid down his life. So we understand that, that this is a new kind of love. Beloved, let us love one another within this, for love is from God. And again, it's not your ability to love that you've got to generate it in yourself. But it comes from God. I can tell you this. John is very clear, and Scripture is very clear, that your ability to, divine, to love with divine love proves that you're born again. If you cannot love with the love of God, you are not born again. You are not saved. You are not transformed. The only way that you can love with the love of God, with a divine love, is if the love of God has already transformed your life. God's not telling you to create something you don't have. He's regenerating that heart of love in you to give you the capacity to be able to love like He loves. So when you come across these situations where you, you say, well, you know, I'm not very loving. You come across people that are very loving. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but they're not very loving. One of the challenges that, that either you have to look at or they have to look at in their heart is, that are they regenerated? Because if they're not regenerated, if they're not born again, they, they are, it is impossible for them to be able to love with divine love. I do a lot of uh, counseling, especially when I do premarital counseling with young people. And I'll tell them, look, at, you know, I'm only going to do a wedding for two believers. Why? Because that's the only way that you're going to last. If you're going to get together and, and you're going to love with the love of the world, you're going to end up in a divorce. Or you're going to have a lot of problems. So if you're going to start a new marriage, start it off right. And, and, and it's between two people who have a regenerated heart that brings that bond of love that is much, much deeper than human love. That's much deeper than circumstantial or, or temporal love. Why? Because true love, divine love, is the giving of yourself for the benefit of the other. That's true love. The giving of yourself for the benefit of other. So as a husband loves his wife, what is he to do? He's to give himself for the benefit of his wife. What is the wife to do in her loving her husband? To give herself for the benefit of the other. And, the, and in that love, it never says, well, I'm going to give myself to you in order for me to get. It's sacrificially. That's how Jesus loved us. To demonstrate that love for us, within us. It's the very nature of God to be able to give Himself for the benefit of the other. And that's what Jesus did. That's why Jesus was born. We're here Christmas Eve morning to realize that Jesus, God, came to earth, was born of a woman to give Himself for the benefit of the other to die. He was born to die. He was born with the sole purpose of being the perfect sacrifice. To pay the penalty for your sin. That's love. And he goes on and he says that we should love one another. Well, where do I get that? When you're born again, 
your spiritual DNA changes. You no longer are a child of the world or a child of sin because you're born again. And so you get the spiritual DNA from God. The Holy Spirit's dwelling in you. You're given that new heart. It's embedded as part of your life. And so loving the other, giving yourself for the other, is as natural as breathing. Because that's part of the DNA. That's part of you. Now, can you quench that? Sure, you could quench it. Can you fight against it? Sure, when the flesh gets in there. But your inclination is to love the other sacrificially because that is driven by the Spirit of God. Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. It's the fruit. It's the product of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. If you are a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led believer, you will not be able to help yourself from being loving towards other people. You won't be able to help yourself. Why? Because instead of the devil making you do it, the Spirit is making you do it. The Holy Spirit is leading you. And so you look at somebody with compassion that you wouldn't normally look at with compassion. You look at somebody with need and you say, how can I help them instead of judging them? Because the Spirit is leading you to be loving towards one another the same way that God was towards you. It's the spiritual expression of a Spirit-filled life. Look at your life right now. Can you think of a time recently when the Holy Spirit moved on you to love somebody? To be loving for somebody? And it could be any extent from just simply praying for somebody that's in need. Or meeting a physical need. Or assisting them in some way. Where you couldn't help but act upon that action that was motivated by the Spirit. I think so many times we fool ourselves because we come to church and, and, and we check the boxes and all of these things. But if we're really not allowing the Holy Spirit to move through us, maybe we're fooling ourselves. Maybe we aren't born again. Maybe that DNA is not in us. The greatest symbol of love is not a heart and it's not Cupid. The greatest symbol of love is a child of God giving themselves for the benefit of the other because they know the love of God that's dwelling within them, that's challenging them. We need to be that expression of God's love to the world, but it doesn't start until you receive that love for yourself. You can't give what you don't have. I want to pray for you even right now. God, I would pray. I know there's people in this room that are struggling with this concept. Holy Spirit, I pray you move on their hearts even now. Say, God, I want to know your love. In Jesus' name. The weary soul is not going to find rest until God has found them within that place. John moves on in verses 9 through 10. He says this. By this, the love of God was manifest in us that God has sent His only begotten into the world so that, that's that henna clause, that we might live through Him. That word so that in Greek is henna. It, it's a purpose clause. So when we read that, the way the, the writer had given it to us, John, he says, He gave His only begotten Son in the world for the purpose that we might live through Him. 
Now, we know that He gave His Son to save us from our sins. Yes, that is the, the vertical relationship. But what about the horizontal? You say, well, I'm saved. I accepted Jesus and I'm saved. I'm good. Yeah, that's only half of the equation. John says that God gave His Son not just so that you would be saved, but that you would live through Him in demonstrating that love towards one another. And so when we realize this love in verse 9, it says, by this love, it was manifest in Jesus that we would be able to do this. Do you know God took the initiative to love you when you were unlovable? God took that initiative. God stepped out of eternity in the person of Jesus Christ to come and take the initiative to come to you. Life has gotten so busy, hasn't it? We got our Christmas shopping, we got our family, we got our job, we got we got our pleasures, we have all of these other things. I am so busy that I miss all of the opportunities that God invites me to be part of to be loving towards one another. In the next 24 hours, you are going to spend time with family. Most of them I hope you like. I dare you. As in the Christmas story, I double dog dare you. Look for the opportunities that God is inviting you to be loving towards your relatives and your family. You know, there's this weird thing that happens. It is super easy to be loving to a stranger. Why? It's one and done and I never see you again. Right? But when you got weird Uncle Al that's over there, be loving. God took the initiative to be loving towards us and He sent His Son Jesus. And John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. The glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. God took the initiative to love you. And I so it's, it's such a mind-blowing thing because you think about this. Well, how does God even know about me? Because He's God. Yeah, but does He even know me? The answer is what? Yes. Does He know what's going on inside me? Yes. Well, how can God know everything about everybody all at the same time and show the same level of love towards every individual without discrimination? I'll give you one answer. He's God. He's God. You say, well, I don't understand it. You don't have to. Just say thank you. And be in that personal space where you are sitting in the throne room of grace, face to face with God, who says, I love you. And I showed my love by coming to you Sending my son to die for you. His only begotten, that word begotten is monogenous. It's, it's one of a kind. God did not want to be this distant God. But he sent his one and only son. He self-revealed through Jesus. He, he gave himself so that we would know him. In John 3.16, a passage we know, but we blow through these words, but they're going to be up on the screen. I want you to follow them as I read them. And I want you to think about the meaning behind these words. For God so, <clears throat> excuse me, so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Are you the whoever? I hope so. Within this. Because Jesus came to bring this gift of eternal life. He said, I want to reveal myself to you so that you will know what love is. I want to give myself completely to you. As I said, there was a henna clause. So that we might live. And it's interesting because we take a look at how we can live. So that we might live through him. Verse 9. And then in 2 Corinthians, that we might live for Him. In 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And He died for all, so that, there's that hint of clause, He died for all, so that, with purpose, that they who live might not no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again. So that we might live through Jesus, we might live for Jesus. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.9-10 it says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that, in a clause, so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with Him. You have been saved to live through Christ, to live with Christ, and to live for Christ in all of these aspects of our life, in relationship. And that's why Jesus came, to bring you life. This gift of life within us. Now, people express gifts in a lot of different ways. They express these loves by doing something or by giving a gift or, or all of these different things. But think about this. Over 2,000 years ago, God expressed His love for you by coming to you in Christ to be give this gift of kindness, this incarnation, which, again, we don't understand. God sent His Son so that you would be born again. Where would you be today if Jesus hadn't come? Where would we be if Christmas never took place? If Christ had never come, where would we be? I can tell you this, we wouldn't be in this building. We wouldn't have hope, we would be lost in the world and not feeling loved and looking to fill that that void in so many different ways. Not only did He come to give us life, but He wants to be able to give us a future, a spiritual life beyond our, our imagination within this. And as I said earlier, it was Jesus' mission to give life. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates His, His own love. Notice, Possessive. His own love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for you. In this. And again, He took that initiative. To come to you. God does not want us to be containers of His love. He never designed us to be a container. You are designed to be a conduit. God's love flows through His Son to us so that we might have that love And then it would flow through us to a world that is not feeling loved. That doesn't know love. That can't comprehend love. Jesus came over 2,000 years ago to be the first initial conduit of love to mankind. And then by extension, He went to His disciples and told them to do what? 
Love one another as I have loved you. Be that conduit of love within this. And again, to be in that place. And having received this, in John, 1 John 4.19 says, We love, why? Because He first loved us. Because we've had that experience. And in John 15.13 says, Greater love is no one than this, than one that lays down his life for his friend. That's because love is sacrificial. Love is going to cost you. You say, well, why? Because that's the kind of love that transforms hearts. If you love out of excess, is that really love? No. Not the way that God loves. But if you love out of your sustenance, out of out of you. That's true love. That's truly giving. Think about Jesus in the treasury with the woman who was giving her two mites. You remember the account. Jesus is in the treasury and he's with the disciples and everybody's coming into the treasury at the temple and all this money's clanging in these 13 trumpets that are all alongside the, the, the thing with the temple money that's going in and Jesus says, stop, wait. Somebody really gave. And the disciples looked at him and said, okay, he's lost it. Everybody's giving. He says, no. No. That woman over there. She gave her two mites. She gave, not out of her excess, but out of her livelihood. That's truly giving. That's truly love. We think about what Jesus did, and, and we studied this last Wednesday in our, with our men on Wednesday morning. That when we get to heaven, we are going to look at the throne of grace, and we're going to see a lamb as if he was slain from the, from the world. Who is that? That's Jesus. I want you to think about true love. When we get to heaven, because we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we will look at Jesus and he is going to bear the marks of the nail prints in his wrists, in his feet, in his side, in the piercings on his brow. He's going to bear for all eternity in his incarnation, in his flesh. We will see him and he will always have that image upon him in his body. We will see him and we will see him as, as if he had risen from the dead. Those are the marks of love. It wasn't as if Jesus, Son of God, left heaven, came to earth, put man on for a while, died and then went back to heaven and, and returned to an eternal state without the lasting image. And in Revelation chapter 5, it says when we see Him, we will fall on our face and we will worship Him. Why? Because that's true love. It is God's gift towards us. God didn't need to send His Son. He wanted to. God didn't need to save you. He wanted to. God doesn't need to love you. But He decided to. Because love is not a feeling or emotion. It's a decision. It's an action that drives you to give the other yourself. To be surrendered to them. 
this is what really love is. It's a sacrificial death. And 1 John 3, 5 says this. You know that He appeared in order to take away the sins. And in Him there is no sin. He becomes that perfect sacrifice. And in His perfect love, He destroys the power of Satan. Listen to this verse. 1 John 3, 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil is sin from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Every person that is not born again is under the bondage and the power of sin and Satan. Jesus came to set everybody free, to pay the penalty, to destroy the works of the devil. He wanted you not only to know that you were loved, but to be free. Question. Is there anything that Satan can, can hold, can do? Does Satan have any power over God? The answer is what? No. So why would a person want to remain in a condition of not knowing love, not feeling love, and remain under the power of sin, sorrow, suffering, and bondage? When love is standing at the door saying, I want to set you free and I want to give you new life. Why would you want to do that? God's offering His love to you. And offering that love to be powerful through you. Because the love of God will break the bondage of sin in the lives of others. Hear me clearly with this. When you demonstrate the power of God's love flowing through you, you will break the bondage of sin that Satan holds over other people. So over the next 24 hours, when you're hanging out with those relatives and crazy Uncle Al starts doing his thing, love him. But not with your love. With the love of God. Give them Jesus. Give them love. And you might say, well, how do I do that? Well, one of the things that we have to understand is that we've been saved from our own depravity. And so now we start operating in the love of God. And as God's love is given, it's free, it's unmerited, and it's spontaneous. You say, well, how would I know what to do? Well, first pray to God. Open my eyes for those invitations, those opportunities. Second, when God gives you that nudge, do it. Whatever He nudges you to do. And if you've never hugged weird Uncle Al, because weird Uncle Al is weird, God gives you a nudge, you give him a hug. I would imagine there are people in this room who have relatives that they haven't talked to in a really long time. People that they have had family struggles with, hurts, pains, sorrows, they've hurt you, whatever the case may be. Maybe God is nudging you this morning, this Christmas, to give them a call. To let them know that you're thinking about them. To be the first to take the initiative to break down that barrier that it, Satan has put up to cause division. To be kind to them. And you'll say, well, Carrie, they don't deserve my kindness. You didn't deserve God's, but you got it. Give it to them. 
Because that weary world is not going to be at rest until they know the love of God. And you are a conduit of God's love. You are commanded to, you are called to, not a container. In verses 11 to 12, it says, Beloved. Here again, he uses that word. If God so loved us. That word if is a first class condition. If God so loved us, and he has... We also ought to love one another, and we should. Why? No one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, that's third class. That, gives, that's, that means it's a potential. If we potentially love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. That's how we display it. It becomes part of the DNA. It comes out from us. We owe love. We owe love from a moral and spiritual obligation. John's not teaching about feeling. He's he's teaching about expressing the love that God showed us over 2,000 years ago in sending His Son. We're taught love by how Jesus loved us. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 says this, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. God moves on our heart to love. So how do we do that? First thing is you show mercy. In Luke 6.36 it says, Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Did God show mercy when He sent His Son Jesus to be born? To live, to die? We show mercy the same way that God. That's the first step. Second step is we love the unlovable. And again, that Romans 5.8, While I was yet a sinner, Jesus died for me. I show mercy. I love the unlovable. And you will blow people's minds. Have you ever loved somebody that thought that they didn't deserve it, but you loved them anyways? And they said, well, why are you loving me? Why are you being so kind to me? They say, well, it's not me. It's God that's moving through me. They're like, I don't get it. No, you're not right now, but can I show you how? How are you going to get it? How are you going to be able to understand? You understand that love comes from God. For the purpose of the unseen God being seen. No one has ever seen God. But they can see Jesus. How could they see Jesus? You. The world is dying to see Jesus. You have to become Jesus with skin on. You have to be Jesus to these people. Dr. A.T. Robertson once said this. That in heaven all of God's children will love one another. And then he remarked. Since that is true, we should practice loving each other here on earth. I got to thinking about this because I think it's comical. I've talked with so many people in counseling and different things in the church. They go, I'm not going to be loving. I'm not, I'm, I don't ever want to see that person again. Well, are they a believer? Yeah, they're a believer, but I don't ever want to see them again. Are you a believer? Yeah, I'm a believer. And they're a believer. But you don't ever want to see them again. What are you going to do when you get to heaven? Eternity is a really long time. In my sanctified imagination, your mansion is going to be right next to that mansion there. And God's going to put you all in the same neighborhood. Then what are you going to do? As Robertson says, practice it now. Practice that ability to be able to love. If we love one another, as I said, it's, it's a third class. It's got this potential. 
If we love one another, then the love of God is manifest through us. It's perfected or made complete. And it's three ways. First, God's love is made complete because you're obeying God's word. It says this in 1 John 2, 5. He says, but whoever keeps the word in him, note, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. How is the love of God perfected? In obedience to God's word. Remember, it's a command. God tells you to do it. So you're showing the love of God because you're obeying his command to love. Second, God's love is made complete through loving one another as we read earlier. Now you're obeying that command and you're being loving towards one another, even the prickly pears. And in 1 John 4, 17 and 18, it says this. God's love is made complete as the fear of punishment is removed. Understand this. By this, love is perfected in us. So that, or here's that purpose clause, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is also, we are in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. What is he saying? First one, love is perfected because I'm obeying God's word because he tells me to do it. Love is perfected because love is flowing through me, not as a container. Third, God's love in me gives me confidence. Have you ever been scared that you lost your salvation? Have you ever been scared of judgment? Have you ever been afraid that God's going to deal with you because you, you, you didn't do something right? John says this, you want to remove that fear of punishment? Let the love of God flow through you. And it will give you the assurance of knowing when you see God moving in and through you towards other people, it will blow your mind because that proves out that you are a child of God in the same way that Jesus is God's son who died. You're God's child because you're loving according to God's word. How is the weary soul in this world going to find love? Through you. Through you. Where should you begin? In the closest circle. And practice love in all that you do. This Christmas, the best gift that you can give somebody is not something that you ordered on Amazon. Although Amazon was pretty good this year. No, it's far greater than Amazon. The best gift that you can give is the love of God to somebody that needs it. Give that gift. God, I thank you. I thank you that you've given to us your word and the promises of your word. I thank you, God, that you give to us your love. That your love is unconditional. That while I was yet a sinner, Lord Jesus, you died for me. Over 2,000 years ago, on that cross, you had me in mind. How that happens, I don't know. But it is the promise that we are afforded. Through your word and affirmed by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that even now as we're in this room, there are many people in this room that are struggling with knowing what love is. And maybe that's you. Here's a prayer you can pray. God, I want to know your love. But my sin is getting in the way. Will you please forgive me of my sin? Let your love flow through me. Fill me with your spirit. Regenerate my life. Give me a new life. 
that I might be loving towards one another the same way you love me. Thank you, God, for loving. In Jesus' name, amen. stand before you even now, we surrender our hearts and our lives to you, to be transformed by your love. Lord, as you are molding us and shaping us into the image of your son, Jesus, who loved us so much, called us into being like him, may we go out into this world this Christmas Eve. And love one another the same way you loved us. Not for our glory, but for yours. May we give them Jesus. 
a Jesus that loves them, a Jesus that, that died for them. Love opens the door. Love sets the captive free. Love provides eternal life for all those that believe. We thank you for this privilege, this gift. And may we go out and make you smile. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. And praise Jesus and Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us in the study of God's Word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 630 p.m. Warren Community Fellowship is located at 56523 Columbia River Highway in Warren, Oregon, between Scapoose and St. Helens. For more information about Warren Community Fellowship or about WCF Ministries, call us at 503-397-4387. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.